listening to the New Century Multiverse, Panther Soul. Chapter 31 God on Earth Leah Kolo and I run up the steps and find ourselves in the vast, cavernous vault I saw through the fire. He has regained his strength and more. Perhaps he can beat this army all by himself. I rush to the back wall, but the yellowish panelled stonework is in smooth, patterned shapes, with only thin spaces between them. I neither smell, nor hear, nor see any signs of buttons or secret doors. Carlo is kneeling in the exact centre of the room, examining the seemingly single alcove in the floor. Try in here. I kneel beside him as I catch the faint sounds of lines busting through the double doors. Gunfire, shouting and screams. Beatrix and Stardancer could be dead already. For the first time, I am really afraid we might not make it. Before we reached this chamber, there was at least the potential for escape lying within it. I imagined lofty high windows with sturdy vines or poreholes we might climb up to. But there is nothing save for this deep hollow. I reach far inside, but I can't find a lever, an object, or anything. Kolo delves his free arm in there after me, but comes back out similarly confounded. Why did you leave the Cicerone outside? Is there a way we can get to it? Crunchy dives into the hole, but comes back with nothing. The world starts to sting around my eyes. I am breathing fast and having difficulty seeing and thinking straight. I feel Kolo's paw upon my shoulder. Hey, easy. I will protect you to the end. But if it comes to that, I want you to give yourself up. I start to protest, but he continues, determined. If Albion takes this glove, they will have what they came for. They might overlook you as a captive. So we use their underestimation. You escape, steal it back, and get as far as you can away from them. Lose it, throw it into the deepest underground pool. Forget where that was, and then live your life. He nods with what he hopes appears to be confidence. This isn't going to be the end of you, Leah. Not by a long shot. My vision drifts downwards towards the patterned stone floor as Kolo raises to his hindquarters and readies himself. I wipe the whiskers out of my eyes and drag my paw across the dust, discovering faint outlines of a shape that I recognize. I push out further until I find the tips of the engraved claws. Kolo turns, realizing the same thing as me. We are looking at a carved image of the Cloudbreaker. It's, it's a key. key, we say in unison, and he flings himself to the floor, plunging the gauntlet down through the mechanism, bringing it home, and then turning until there is a loud clack. A shock and a shudder runs through him, and I feel a ripple of energy surge out into the room. Amid the faintest traces of all whispering in my ears, in languages I cannot identify. What was that? It felt frightening, old, and so immense. 
Then comes a pause, as even the chamber of assaulting lions seems to stop in place. Then a very loud rumbling. The panther yanks his gauntlet out of the ground and we spring back as the floor begins to shudder and part, as the space rotates. We retreat to one wall and hop up on the ledge to prevent ourselves from falling down into the deep, deep pit that appears to be beneath us. Extremely old stone shifts and folds around itself as something begins to emerge in the center of the room. It is a gargantuan statue filling the entire vast chamber. A towering saber-toothed cat upon all fours, crouched as though ready to spring. It is not plated in stone, but the same gleaming golden brown metal as the Cloudbreaker, which bounces the flickering blue lights from the flames down the stairs off its surface. The floor closes back up underneath it, and we spot the shape of a massive paw print upon its chest. Try it, I urge. Kolo rushes forward, planting his armored paw into the sunken plate. There is a pulse of energy and a glow, illuminating more symbols around the paw print in the bright blue fire. As he hops back, a long set of steps emerges from its underbelly. Kolo paces forward, gazing up at this miracle, lost for words, lost for breath. This is... this is... Come on, our friends are gonna die! I shout, rushing towards the ramp. Beatrix. Stardancer and I are close to our end. We are both wounded, clipped by bullets and bleeding. My coat is torn and scorched, though I have fight left in me. But Star, Star is on their last bursts of energy. I defend them as their darts falters. They are cut and aching, nearing exhaustion. I use my shield to push the lion horde back as far as I can, targeting anyone who looks like they're trying to reload. A thrust bayonet glances past the edge of my shield, and there is a sickening impact. For a moment, I believe I am stabbed, but the weight of star upon my shoulder tells me a horrible truth. I hear them gasp in pain and spring backwards, clutching their side. I glance over for a fraction of a moment. They slump. I grit my teeth and roar as I cross in front, brandishing my dented, battered shield as bullets ricochet off, readying my saber for the last push. I will not go gentle. Something is happening up there behind us. We all felt it. This is when the walls behind the blue flames start to grind apart to the left and right as one, revealing a far wider staircase, and above it a lustrous shape towering up high and moving in the shadows. Two 
enormous golden eyes open up there. The lions around us pause to look beyond the flames, which begin to lower as a great pounding is heard. They start to roar in fright as something immense begins thumping heavily down the enormous steps towards us, crossing through the blue inferno. I haul Stardancer to the side of the room, but nobody is looking at us now. The chamber has not stopped moving as the ceiling opens to the yawning sky. Then the cry goes up and we hear the name uttered in terror. Samar. Samar has returned. The sun streams in and pours down upon a golden bronze colossus. A mechanical smilodon, a thing of myth, a god upon the earth, now towers before us, impossibly huge and moving with purpose. It flexes massive claws, the size of canoes, arches back and lets out a roar that shakes the very foundations of Serapalon. A cluster of lions overcome their initial paralyzing fear and rush in to attack, guns blazing and sabers flashing. They are swiftly swept aside by giant paws, their bodies clattering and breaking against the walls. The remainder wail and shove past each other, racing for the exit, forcing their way back through the narrow halls in a frenzied hysteria. God reaches down, and I hop into its right paw, holding onto Stardancer for dear life. I urge them to grab hold of this limb like me. The metal has a texture to it, the interlinking plates provide purchase to climb, and the craft of this ancient wonder, as I observe the movements up close, simply boggles my mind. The foreleg we cling to is raised horizontal and parallel with its chest, so that we are given firm a purchase. Then, on three limbs now, the saber-tooth angles towards the roof which has opened up like the petals of a flower, lowers its back section, which shakes from side to side as it prepares and leaps for the sky. Inside the Great Cat, everything is confusing and overwhelming. Welcome to the Smilotron. Leah calls from her place up at the front. It's what I'm calling this thing. I am at a loss for words. It is lit on the inside with tiny glowing stones around the walls of a series of organic-feeling chambers, as though we have been swallowed whole and now lie in his stomach. Curved inner surfaces feel strangely soft to the touch. I do not know these materials, 
Much of it is a soft gold color. Not like the tacky vanity I've seen my kind slather this stuff with. It's not the metal gold, but something more. There is a translucence, and as I peer through, I can see the inner workings moving as we shift and climb. It is childish to compare this with a bag of marbles I once played with, but that is the best comparison I can make. And between this gold glass, there is copper and large swathes of the darkest browns, making me feel like I am somehow nesting inside an ancient, still living tree. Panting, I stare up at Kolo, who is still wearing the Cloudbreaker. It glitters upon his paw, humming faintly with potential energy. He crouches to lift me to my hind paws. Something has changed about him. He seems at once stronger and yet more gentle. His eyes are glowing softly as he turns to kneel over the star dancer. They lie on their side, breathing with difficulty. I can now see more clearly a nasty stab wound between the lower left ribs. Without a word, Kolo goes to his leather shoulder bag and retrieves some medical salve, cleaning the wound with one paw. Swiftly, he removes the gauntlet as it takes away the dexterity on his right. He does not look at me, but locks the glove under his knee as he continues to administer to his old companion, whispering to them quietly. It is not too deep. Please lie still. I can fix this. The rest is inaudible. I turn to examine the front compartment and can finally take in Leah at the helm. She has thrust her arms and legs into four sleeves attached to the floor and ceiling by a web of iridescent strands enclosed in a large glowing seashell. Before her is a massive window, curved and ridged. It appears to be the same gold glass, the rest of this vessel, this machine, this wonder is made of. Only the translucency has increased for visibility. I spot a copper clouding at the edges shift along with our movement. I am looking through the rest of this colossus. Below us is the overgrown roof of the temple, as Leah picks away unsteadily over the uneven terrain. It moves with me, she says, lifting up her right paw and inspecting it. The world sways as the machine we are inside mirrors her, lifting up its immense right paw to hold in front of its face. Leah smiles, delighted and I can hear the jaws clank above us. Where are we gonna go? Further up into the jungle? As we crest the dome of the temple, we can see down to the reassembled lions of Albion, now staring up at us from atop the cliffs. The raging falls tumble to our left, and the river lies far below. At their head, I can finally see Commodore Shrike barking orders as the first line of rifles kneel load, arrange themselves, and take aim. Down! I yell. Get back! Leah yelps in fright and wrenches the heaving frame backwards to hide behind the ancient dome. As bullets tear
tear through the stonework, an impact in our sights. What do I do? She cries. Colo is holding Stardancer, still just beginning to stitch their wound. Beatrix, guide her. He commands. I put my paw on the lynx's shoulder as she looks at me, bewildered and at a loss. We have to go, we have to go. She pleads. Come out of there, I say. I will do this next part. She scrambles free gratefully and helps me get my hind paws through the webbing, which must be adjusted to suit my much larger frame. The golden light bathes my form, and I start to understand the workings of what I am looking at. As we do this, the great cat tips jarringly around us, almost toppling sideways, until Leah grabs at one of the physical levers a copper ball with a short metal rod disappearing into a smooth, curved slot. She pulls it down. We lock in place with a reassuring, shuddering clank of stability. Sorry, gotta hold this thing still while you get into the cat's cradle. I rearrange my arms and slide them comfortably into the sleeves, finding my paws now wrapped in shining spiderweb which will read my movements. I brace myself in the center of the light and reach for the lever and shunt it back up. The Smilotron bursts into movement and I feel a flood of something tingly rocket through me, making my claws flex and my jaws snap. It is pleasure, pain, and primal energy which surges through me. I cycle my legs and the immense hindquarters behind us move along with mine. It is like a marionette puppet, only working in reverse, invisible strings attached to my paws, my neck, my back, my eyes, my mouth. It feels as though every thread ascends to the heavens. Each movement is a prayer, and each gets a corresponding response from this behemoth. My brain dances and rolls with holy thunder. I am beyond alive. I flex my body as Leah straps herself into a nearby seat and clings on, tensing up as the latest volley of bullets tears through the stonework around us. I turn the cat's head, my head, to survey the army of lions. I look straight at Shrike. Hold on! I bellow, and we gather our weight and leap clear off the roof, sailing over the dome, casting our gargantuan shadow over the lions on the jungle floor as they look up in absolute horror. Shrike orders them to scatter. I can feel her eye over my new body. She is searching for weak spots. They break away as we land. A terrible impact shudders through us. Behind me, Colo holds Star Dancer, safe and secure. Close your eyes, honey. I yell at Leah. I start to jab down, sweeping lions aside. Some go cleanly. A few of them simply become blood mist. The army spreads out. Shrike retreats to the trees and we give chase. These are the lions who will place you all in chains. We bound forward and I am momentarily entangled in the trees. I see you! 
Spotting her advantage, Shrike bounds up from the ground, gains purchase upon my forelimb, and rushes up towards us. Leah squeaks as this loathsome mass murderess clambers past. I can now feel her on my face. It is the oddest new sensation, and one that has me reeling back from the trees, shaking my head to get her off of us. It feels as though a small, vicious, feral cat really has scaled my cheek and is clinging on with razor-sharp curls. My left eye twinges, and a sudden pain spikes through from the side. She is trying to prise my whole eyeball out. I roll, frightened now and clap my paws to my nose, dragging her off me. I almost lose her, but hold tight, feeling the actual shape of this lioness in my own paws. They drift past our viewing window, and I can see her roaring in outrage. She stabs at my pads, and I waste no more time. I bring my paws up to my mouth and bite down hard. There is resistance, and Leah bunches up her body. Then, I'm holding half of Commodore Shrike in my paws. I look across at the lynx as I gasp in euphoric relief. The other half tumbles past our window. Leah unclenches and then shakily nods in understanding before pointing once more ahead of us in alarm. The lieutenant has lined up a second volley of guns and orders them to shoot. Bullets clatter against us. Fire back! I don't know how! Yes, you do. Roar your hardest ever. She is right. It is as though the Smilotron slotted this next retaliatory action into my head as soon as she said the word fire. I plant my paws, breathe deeply, more bullets battering against my body. From your heart. Leah specifies urgently. I roar. Something partway between a tornado and pure sunlight explodes from my screaming mouth and obliterates the firing line, as well as the reinforcements rushing towards me. Slumped down, exhausted, hanging in the stirrups. A gentle paw touches my shoulder. Out you get, Leah prompts. I, I can, I can do, do this. this. I object weakly. I don't want her to have to perform these destructive acts. We need to escape and get back to my city. Leah orders. I sigh in acceptance of the facts. Nod and yank down the lever, holding our frame still. I disentangle myself as Kolo gently lifts the now-stitched Star Dancer and lays them into a wide, soft chair, strapping them in securely. Star is barely conscious now. All of these cats have saved my life. As Leah gets into the web, the remaining lions who have not yet fled are now sneaking in and have begun climbing our sides, clawing at the panels, shooting us point-blank and jamming their swords into every crevice. Leah starts to cry out in pain and confusion as these assaults register, and I am about to haul her back out when Kolo grabs hold of a lever in the ceiling. As soon as I'm gone, start rolling, he says to Leah. 
They'll kill you. She argues, but he shakes his head and hefts the cloud breaker, pulling the lever as the entry hatch opens back up again, letting in the sweltering jungle heat and the snarls of our swarming attackers. I know what this is for now. been listening to episode 31 of Panther Soul, God on Earth, written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Beatrix, performed by Loretta Saylor. Leah, performed by Willow Shaw. Commodore Shrike, performed by Sharon Shaw. Colo Nash, performed by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Zard, composed and performed by Jason Bradley Livesey of Shockwave Sound. Beach Fresco, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Epic Percussion, composed and performed by Alec Koth. Desert, composed and performed by Innova. Turkey, composed and performed by Ald. A Solemn Vow, Shuttle Crash, The Orrery, The Strange, and Meltwater Loch. Ambience from Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. And our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alejandra Vargas, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely. Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, John Clawson, Joe Gluck, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Marty Polmeyer, Matthew A. Siebert, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Helaz Haryo, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Skeels Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. For the maximum New Century Multiverse experience, you need to be checking out the podcast Through the Wind Door, where Greg Downing and Toby Skeels Jungius talk us through each story like a book club and go into mind boggling depth. I don't know about you, but I like having my mind boggled. They're currently up to Steamheart. And if you want to read the entirety of Panther Soul right now, it is available in a gorgeous paperback on Amazon.com. Alternately, you can support this project for $10 on Patreon and get access to all 
the new Century ebooks and audiobooks.